0: Hey, Mamas. Thanks for joining us this week. Just wanted to remind you, next week, our changes will be official. We are now going to be called The Nurturing Parent instead of We Are The Village Parenting Podcast. So exciting. And we will have new cover art. So when looking for our episodes... Please make sure that you're looking for The Nurturing Parent. And if you want to get updates still, make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast. You can just go on our podcast and click the little plus sign. And then you'll be subscribed so you can get notified when we release our episodes. But we are excited for our changes. And since we are undergoing some construction this week, we are going to be replaying one of our first episodes. It's episode number four connection before correction and this really is the basis for a nurturing parent and really practicing respectful gentle parenting so let's get into it
1: welcome to the we are the village parenting podcast
0: hi my name is Serena mother to two little ones
1: and hi I'm Lisa also known as the singing amma Amma means grandmother
0: in Icelandic.
1: I am a mama and
0: an Amma. In this podcast, I am learning to practice gentle, attachment-focused parenting. Amalisa is here to teach us why it's vital to our children's development and well-being.
1: And I come to the village with a background in early childhood education. I have been coaching and supporting parents along their parenting journeys for over 35 years. Together, we explore some easy-to-implement skills you can add to your parenting tool belt to help you create a happy, thriving family.
0: We invite you to grab your latte or your tea and come sit around the proverbial ancient fire with us each week
1: when we come together to have a conversation where we'll be keeping it real, keeping it raw, right here with you in the wonderful world of all things parenting. All right. So um, we thought it might be a good time to talk about, you know, meltdowns and what to do and behavior that might be bouncing off the walls and what to do. And where I'd like to start is what's known now in um, the world of early childhood education, certainly, and um, child psychology, basically, is what we call
0: connection before correction.
1: Do you want to talk about what you know about it?
0: I don't know much as it's something I'm learning. While I was being raised, I got that tough love. And so my dad always kind of said, you have to listen to me because I'm right. You're wrong. And that Mm -hmm. I catch myself when I'm telling my daughter, no, don't do that. She's only a year and a half. It's not really Mm -hmm. processing the way Mm -hmm. I think it's coming out of my mouth. Like, Mm -hmm. And so I try to get down to her level and try to explain to her, try to guide her into a different activity or something that if she's writing on the wall, then I'll bring her the paper.
1: That's a real life experience, right? Writing on the wall. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So one thing I love to encourage parents to do is this is going to, some of you are going to go, what? Say what? Avoid. using the word no with your child. (laughs) I learned how to do this when I did a practicum in early childhood education in an under threes daycare. So everybody, hello. We had 14 two-year-olds in one space together and three adults. And that's where I actually learned because the three other women who were the supervisors of that childcare center, and I was the practicum student, they had this down and they were amazing. So I learned how to do it. So the example from my, from my life, and then we'll come to your drawing on the wall one. Mm -hmm. The example was children were throwing sand in the sandbox. And the first time I went to correct, I was like, oh no, no, sand's not for throwing. No. No you know and and then the second time i went oh sand and i caught myself right and then the third time i went sand needs to stay really low down so it doesn't get in our eyes so this is a little bit of a tangent from the connection before correction piece and when we when there's a behavior happening that we don't want to happen or that can't happen like drawing on the walls can't really happen. Cause that's not going to go well with the landlord or with you needing to repaint your home mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, you know, try trying to find a way to shift the behavior, but the, using the word no again, as we've spoken of in other episodes and we will speak up again. Um, can set up a child to you know headbutt against you mm-hmm. it's your your word against mine you know um and and what happens when we correct the behavior especially when we use the negative no don't throw sand no don't draw on the walls is it sets up um a feeling of you know i have power over you hmm And that's not the way to build a respectful, mutually respectful relationship, which is our goal. We want our children to grow up and become adults who have and are mutually respective humans, Mm -hmm. have relationships that are mutually respective. We don't want our children to be bullying their partners or being bullied by their partners, you know, anytime in life. And so we're laying that foundation now. When she's a year and a half old. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. When I hear don't say no, it's like setting your child up to be spoiled and to not understand. No, if you're taking authority and you're speaking down to your child, they're going to see that as a power move and they're going to want to do that in in school. And that's how they become the bullies. And they say, oh, she thinks she's the boss. I'm going to be the boss when they see a kid being weak or something.
1: It becomes a power struggle. Mm -hmm. You know, whether or not they actually would become a bully or be bullied, there are power struggles happening and it's not, not saying no does not mean you're becoming a lenient parent who just lets the children run raw, you know, crazy all over you. Um, It means that you find the positive twist of how to say something. I see that you really want to draw right now. Let's go get the paper. Where's Mm -hmm. the paper? Do you want to draw on white paper? Do you want to draw on a color? What color of paper do you want to draw on? Do you want to draw with crayons or do you want to draw with felt pens? Or maybe you even want to get some paints out today. So again, here we are shifting Um, shifting from a negative and spinning it into a really positive and, you know, use that tone of voice to shift it into a positive as well. And walls are not for drawing on. That's just giving information. No, don't draw on the walls. No, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. That is going to, like, how does that feel in your body? When I say that compared to when I say walls are not for drawing on. Let's go find the paper together. Whole different sensation in the body that we feel when we get spoken to one way or another way. So then back to the connection, connection piece. When a child is acting out, and this is more about when they're expressing anger, like though what we just talked about is just correcting a, a behavior that needs to stop right now. Mm-hmm. but they're not having a meltdown about it. They're not resisting you about it. It's just like, you see your child, they're about to draw on the wall and you're like, oh, let's go get some paper <laughs> and just swoop in, you know? And the thing is when we make it a bad thing, quote unquote bad. And when we swoop in to shift the energy in a fun way, then they're getting, um, they're getting a positive redirection from us rather than a whole bunch of energy focusing on the bad because children are just going to read the energy. So if they're getting a bunch of energy and if they only get the bad energy, they're just going to keep doing what gets that that response. Whereas if they're getting some positive energy, you know, when you feel like drawing, come and talk to mama, come and tell me, I got to draw, You know let's get the paper let's get the paper and you know if you have room in your home i recommend getting a child-sized table there's lots of secondhand nice solid wood ones you don't want to get um anything made with particle board because it's very toxic off-gassing solid wood you can paint it up and you know a couple of little chairs sometimes they come with two sometimes four little kid-sized chairs and oh my gosh my child size table that we bought when my grandson was um, one. I think I got it for him for his first Christmas. It's lived in my house forever, and he just turned fifteen. And <laughs> and they sat at it until they were like seven, eight. Like they're just kind of squatting in beside the little table, <laughs> and they love it. And what I want to encourage you to get a table that your daughter can get into at the age of one and a half, you can put paper and crayons or dots or whatever it is that she likes to do on that table, paint it with a nice glossy paint that can wipe off easy. And then she can be doing it independently. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, It depends. I mean, some kids are actually going to want to go and scamper around and mess up the walls or the couch or whatever with felt pens or those dot things more than other kids. But if you give them the space to create independence around, I feel like drawing now and, oh, look, there's crayons and paper at my table and I can go do that right now. It might actually turn that behavior around so that it's something that doesn't occur as you know oops there goes the walls again
0: no she loves those miniature tables she loves anything that's miniature like her her size yeah
1: she loves it so back to the connection piece when a child is really upset about something when they're having a meltdown, when they're angry at you, because you wouldn't let them do that next thing or have that next treat or whatever. Can you give me an example, Serena? Because sometimes that helps people if they hear a real life example to actually work with.
0: Well, my daughter, she she loves candy right now. And she knows where the Halloween basket is. And Mm -hmm. she says, candy, 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 candy. And I'm like, we have to eat dinner first. Uh And candy, candy.
1: Yeah. Okay. Perfect example. So when we try to reason with our children, it's not, it's not happening. Um, when they get candy on the brain or the next toy on the brain or the next movie on the brain, and it's time for quits, reasoning with them is not going to help, especially if they are starting to get upset Um, If a child goes into a full meltdown, what's actually happening when our brains, when we are upset in a big upset, our brains alter how they're functioning. So the frontal cortex of the brain shuts down when we're upset. And what that means is that now we are working with the more ancient part of our brain, which is actually the reptilian brain. And it's all about survival. So all they can see is the survival, and right now candy is all that there is. And now I'm going to have a full blown tantrum because I just need the candy because that's all there is in my world. And they actually can't see mm-hmm. past that because the the um, with a frontal cortex shutdown, it's like tunnel vision. We cannot reason with someone who is really upset. Now we're going to do this quite often in our, in our sessions together, because how is it when your partner, your adult partner doesn't listen to you when you're having a meltdown and tries to dissuade you from it or brush it off or whatever, the meltdown just gets bigger and bigger. You, you This is true? Uh, yeah, very okay. true. Very <laughs> okay. true. Okay. okay. And so, and we don't want him or her to reason with us or try to reason us out of our upset. We just need actually, what do you need when you're in that space? You're really upset. You go to your husband. What do you actually want? love, some soothing. You want to feel close. You're upset about something. You need that human being there beside you to let you know you're okay and you're going to be okay. And we'll get through this. You need connection. That's what we need when we're upset, right? So if we can connect with our children when they're in an upset, then the brain will calm down. And if you still feel like you need to talk to your child about what the meltdown was about, I caution you <laughs> about talking it through uh, too much. We're a very verbal society and we think we have to explain everything and reason everything through. And you know, now that you've shifted your daughter away from the candy, because you've connected with her and said, Oh, honey, I'm just going to give you kisses and kisses and kisses and kisses. They're even better than candy. Yum. Kisses are so nice. And mummy snuggles. Oh, mummy snuggles are the best. And, you know, just really leaning into her and picking her up and swinging her around and having a dance with her, something like that, where you're actually physically connecting, then the meltdown shifts, and you get to move into feeling connected with her. And then if you bring it back up, or if she brings it back up in an upset kind of a way, or if you bring it back up in a way that is like, okay, now about that candy, you know, You can't eat candy before dinner, like we're just Mm -hmm. not going to do that. And you're trying to reason with her. I actually caution you because we learn through example and we learn through the people around us way more than we learn by being told what to do and what not to do. We learn by observing the world around us.
0: Okay. My question is because sometimes when my daughter might act the way I do not want her to act or respond or, or throw a tantrum. So my fine line kind of is when does it kind of seem like you're rewarding them or what they might take as a reward or maybe act out and because they want those kisses instead of, you know, coming to you and saying they want those kisses and Mm -hmm. acting out and just ignoring or not acknowledging that behavior.
1: Yeah. So there's some things that you can ignore for sure. And just say, you know, right now we're not going to talk about candy. Mommy's busy making dinner. That's one way. Yes. Yeah. I hear you. And I'm not going to have the conversation with you about candy right now Mm -hmm. because you know about candy. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what time of day that we eat candy, you know, and so then you can carry on with your job. Now, what was that other piece you just said in there? Ignoring it and not rewarding. Not rewarding is a really interesting piece. There's a saying that says, when our children seem the least lovable is actually when they need us the Mm -hmm. most. They need the most love, right? So if she's having a meltdown, if your child is having a meltdown and they're flailing around and they're having a full-on tantrum, whatever it is, and, and this can be teenagers too, people. This is not just oh, yeah. toddlers and preschoolers. You got teenagers now. You're going to respond somewhat differently. You're not going to grab them and hug them if they don't want to be hugged. But you can still let them know that you love them and that you're there for them. What I'm going to say is I get that parents may be um, hesitant, to feel like they're rewarding a meltdown behavior. But if you can get past that idea and get to the idea of the type of behavior that we don't want, you know, negative behaviors, aggressive behaviors, angry, you know, whatever kind of freak out the child is having comes from something inside that hasn't been expressed, some emotion. And a great um, quote from Dr. Hanganot, child psychologist that I've studied a lot of his work, says, Every feeling can be accepted. Some behaviors need to be redirected. So if a child has a bunch of feelings that are building up inside, And they burst out in a negative behavior. What actually needs to happen is the feelings that are in there need to be addressed. And that's where their need for love and attention comes in. And yeah, if you try anything that I suggest and it seems to be going backwards or sideways, and you, you know, just. Just get a hold of me, message me, and go, Hey, I tried what you said and it didn't go well. <laughs> this yeah. is what happened. And then we can talk through it because there's just a little something that needs to shift or tweak a little bit to actually have it work. But I can really let you know that it's, it's, if a child knows that you're there for them and that you have a connection with them. You can be snuggling them. And once you're both calmed down, you can say, hey, when do we have candy at our house? When does that happen? It happens after dinner. Yeah, it happens after dinner or it happens after lunch or whenever it happens at your house, right? You can have a calm, gentle, really short <laughs> chat. Um Kids know, and believe it or not, children are designed, our, our offspring are designed to want to please us because by pleasing us, it leads to their assurance of survival. We are mammals. It's the mammalian brain that knows that we need to be accepted and taken care of. In order to survive. So I encourage you to actually, you know, when that meltdown is happening, come in with love and come in with connection and come in with, you know, um, if a child's, you know, yelling and screaming and having a fit, you can say, hey, I hear you. And I'm just going to sit on the couch right now because I get that you don't want me to touch your body. And that's totally your call. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to sit right here on the couch. And as soon as you are ready, come on over and jump on my lap. Or I'm going to be in the kitchen making dinner. And as soon as you want to snuggle, you come on up and get me. Yeah, the connection piece. It can be so joyful, you guys. Honestly, honest to goodness, it really can. And Serena, I really want to thank you and acknowledge you for saying, "Hey, but if I do this, won't I be spoiling my child, or will I be rewarding the good behavior? The you know the behavior that I don't want?" And bringing all those questions forward because that just helps us all to co- go into the conversation deeper. Mm-hmm. And for all of you listening, number one, thank you so much for being here with us. And we're just. You were just shooting from the hip here. We're keeping it real, keeping it raw. And we're right here with you. And please write me or us your questions. If you go, no way am I going to try that because I'm scared this is going to happen, like write to us. Please DM us, you know, however you can get a hold of us. Please, please, please do. And we can we can tackle your questions and your concerns live right here.
0: Hey, mamas. So here are three reasons why you need to try connecting before correcting. And it's going to take some practice and maybe some mind work because it is a big shift, but it does work. So number one, When you say no and you're trying to correct your kid, you're setting up a space for them to headbutt against you. And this is not the way to build mutual respect. So the best thing to do to try and avoid using the word no and paying attention to your tone of voice, try to find a positive twist and redirect your kids. You can say walls are not for drawing on and you can say, but let's go get some paper and redirect them with a positive twist so that there is no negative energy and you're not creating a space where they're going to want to go against your word number two in a big upset our brain starts working differently so the frontal cortex shuts down and that's important to know because in an upset trying to reason with them is not going to work this is why you need to connect and by connecting you will calm their brain which then you can speak to them once the situation has calmed down. And number three, like Dr. Haim Ganat mentions, every feeling can be accepted. Some behaviors need to be redirected. All feelings can be accepted. You can show that you are accepting their feelings by connecting with them instead of when you're correcting them, you might, in a way, be pushing aside their feelings. And it's the basis of gentle, respectful parenting. And it takes a lot of practice and a lot of patience and a lot of forgiveness because we do react. So good luck, thanks for joining us. And if you have any questions, you are always more than welcome to reach out to us.
1: Thanks for being here with us in our virtual village. Hit subscribe so you're notified about our newest episodes each week.
0: And hey, did you get something from today's episode? I know I should have did. Be kind. Hit that share button and send it to your mama friends so they can benefit from it, too.
1: Also, by leaving us a review, you'll be helping more parents out there to find answers to the questions that might be keeping them up at night.
0: We'd love you to follow us on Instagram and our Facebook page at The Village Parenting Pod.
1: And we'd love you to direct message us. Let us know your questions that we could address in future episodes and how we can serve you better.
0: This podcast is sponsored by the singing Alma's private parent coaching and workshop offerings. We also now have a buy me a coffee option for a fun way that you could support this podcast link is in the show notes.